This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson representing Transitions Life Care. Uh, you know, we've we've got a really great show lined up to, today, so I'm just going to do a roll call, make sure that everyone's here. here. Mary's here. Present. Sam. Okay. Okay. Very good. Now, to getting to the great stuff that we're very excited about today, we are very pleased and lucky to have on the line today, Tipa Snow, founder of Positive Approach to Care, and that's a organization that advocates for and educates about dementia, dementia, excuse me. Tipa, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Jason, I'm wondering if your brain is having a few changes. Uh, I'm, I'm very worried, Don't Tipa. Don't worry. We That's can always evaluate happening. him after the episode. <laughs> a little word finding, maybe some caffeine. Might help. <laughs> I'll take anything I can get at this point. Tipa, we are so excited to have you on the show today. Uh, for those that don't know, Tipa is one of the world's leading advocates and educators for anyone living with dementia or other forms of brain change and has more than 40 years of very clinical and academic experience in this field. She's been featured on NPR, PBS, Home Healthcare News, and many more. I know many of our listeners are know a little bit about you or are very familiar with your work, but for those who don't, can you share a little bit about yourself, Tipa, and your background, how you got started in dementia care? Yeah, well, I got started when my grandfather moved in and I was a kid and somebody was better at helping him than my mom was. And that was just family. And then it became something I was curious about. And I worked in developmental disabilities as a teenager and then finally got into geriatrics. Uh, when I went to college and did some work as a nursing assistant um, to earn money and, and sort of pay for things. And then finally, I went into occupational therapy and have taught and uh, practiced um, across the spectrum. So, you know, done a whole lot of different things and really focused in on brains and what happens when people's brains are different or changing and how to help folks. That's wonderful. So before we dive into our content today, which is all things dementia, I know I'll re reference a few things during the show about your new book coming out, Understanding the Changing mm -hmm. Brain, which I've had the pleasure of reading over the last few weeks. And it's really a game changer for care partners and anyone wanting to really understand the why behind dementia and also looking for tips as a caregiver or a care partner, which we'll get to later. Uh, this is the first in your series, Tipa. Can you talk to us briefly about your book and where people can find it and what's next for the series? Yeah, so it's located in a couple of places. We have it on our website, for sale, but it's also available on Amazon, and, and we're making it available in different ways, um, e-reader as well as, you know, print copy. And the goal of it was to take what we know about brains that change when they develop something like dementia, and then as well as helping people understand what people are having trouble doing but appreciating what they're still able to do, which sometimes comes across as, whoa, what, what is going on here? And so understanding, oh, that's what's going on here could help us come up with new ways of engaging, of interacting, of accepting, and of changing our own brain and our own behavior so that we get better outcomes, which is what we're essentially trying to do and keep a relationship going. Mm -hmm. 
So, Tipa, let's start diving in into our topic today. So we know that mm-hmm. Alzheimer's has for many years been used as kind of a catch-all term for dementia types. <laughs> I hear people use it all the mm-hmm. time, Alzheimer's, dementia, interchangeably. So is that true? Uh-huh. Are Alzheimer's and dementia interchangeable terms? That would be a false. That is not true at all. So Alzheimer's is this particular form, cause, type of a dementing illness. Now, dementia means your brain has chemical changes and then it starts to have structural changes in at least two different areas of function and we, we can't fix it. We, we, we haven't figured out what's causing it and we can't resolve it. So it's something that once it starts, the cascade of events starts, and it can be caused by a variety of things, maybe different proteins, maybe um, blood flow in the brain or blood chemistry in the brain. But once it starts, this particular thing called dementia, it's, it's not fixable. So we're going to have to figure out how to cope with it. But there's over well over 120 different forms, causes, and types of dementia that we now know about. So you mentioned different types of dementia. How many types of dementia are there? And are there similarities between the different dementia types? Yeah. And so we know that there are categories. And then under the categories, there are specific causes or types or things that we we tend to put in a group. So under Alzheimer's, for instance, it's not all the same thing. Although it's all related to beta amyloid plaque formation, abnormal pathology of protein, and tau pathologies, another protein, that combo means you have an Alzheimer's-related dementia. However, you could have a gene code that means that it's a dominant gene, and if one of your parents had it and you get that gene, you will develop Alzheimer's at a young age. It's called prefenile. And then there are other ones that you have risk factors for it, like APOE. It's another gene, but you have to be exposed in certain ways. And and your risk goes up if you have both parents with a certain, what's called an allele. That's, and then if you have Down syndrome. So, you know, under Alzheimer's, it's not one size fits all even. Mm-hmm. What we do know is under Alzheimer's, you will have, the, the signature is it starts in the memory center, the ability to hold on to new detailed information and spreads into your decision-making center and your language um, formulation center and your uh, 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 and then it spreads into your vision center and finally it'll it'll move into your movement skill center but with things like Lewy body disease which is a grouping or frontal temporal dementias which is another grouping or vascular dementias those are three big categories of dementia and then we have some more specific over to the side like Uh, Chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which has come up a lot with football head injuries or Mm -hmm. um, cheerleader head injuries, younger people having head injuries and then developing a dementia secondary or people who have things like, um, let's say, epilepsy. It's turning out that people who have hard-to-control epilepsy might be more at risk for developing a dementia as they age. Mm. Uh, And then we have juvenile dementia. So I'll pause because it's like, I just, I just 
garden hosed you right there. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that was one of our questions, too, and something I've always been kind of curious about, too, because I think a lot of people assume when they hear dementia or Alzheimer's, they think, oh, you know, that happens in old age. Um, and you mm. mentioned, too, you know, juvenile dementia. Uh, so does mm-hmm. the onset of some of these different dementias vary in age ranges? Perfect, yeah. As a matter of fact, the most common type of dementia for people under the age of 65 is frontal temporal dementia, Mm -hmm. not Alzheimer's. Although there are young onset Alzheimer's categories, the most common is actually frontal temporal um, type dementias, where vascular can go across an age range. And the juvenile dementias often are genetically related, and they can happen in uh, utero, in infancy, in childhood, or in adolescence. And whoa, um, and there's even a dementia associated with multiple sclerosis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's this tricky thing where you can have brain failure starting to develop for a variety of reasons, and it's important to note it can be at any point in time, although increasing age increases risk. Wow. So a lot of these symptoms and signs of dementia that you've been talking about all seem to come from our five senses and how we process things. One thing Mm -hmm. you mention in the book is the importance of of observing a person living with dementia as a first step in partnering in their care. Can you expand on that? Yeah. So if I'm watching someone and I notice that they're taking their, their dominant hand, the hand they usually do things, and they're actually reaching out and tapping or patting on surfaces and picking things up and examining them. And they, that's not how they used to, you know, like engage with objects. What that says to me is they're having to actually use their hand to possibly compensate some, for some visual issues. And then even when they look at the object, they're having to consider, what is it I do? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you can watch them go out and and pick up a like a pepper shaker and look at it. And then you can watch them to see if, oh, yeah, they go, oh, yeah, and they start shaking it on the, the item on the plate. Or they look at it and they turn it upside down. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. So I can learn a lot about a person's abilities by observing before I start interacting because what they see and what they do with what they see, what they're doing when I'm not present can be really helpful for me to understand what might be changing for them. Yeah, that level of observation seems to be key. We're speaking with Tipa Snow, founder of Positive Approach to Care, and we're going to continue our conversation on dementia right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. Don't forget, if you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, you can go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. We are on the line here with Tipa Snow, founder of Positive Approach to Care. We're having a conversation about 
dementia as well as Alzheimer's. And Tipa has uh, a book coming out called Understanding the Changing Brain. And she's helping us understand that changing brain as we <laughs> were just mentioning some um, observations that can help us uh, maybe be more uh, aware of some changes that may be going on. But uh, I'm sure we're going to get into more of those as well. We are. We were, you know, Tipa, we were just talking about some signs and symptoms to look for. And one of those things we wanted to talk about is communication. So this is one of the biggest topics that comes up for care partners who are helping someone with dementia or neurodegeneration. First, you know, a lot of times people mm-hmm. will see, and I hear about it all of time, all the time, especially out here in North Carolina <laughs> with all our sweet Southern Baptists, the bad language and aggressive behaviors that can be really unusual for someone. Mm-hmm. Where do those symptoms originate from? What kinds of dementia, and is this typically what is this typically associated with? Yeah. So what's really interesting about human beings is as we learn to interact with the world around us, it includes interacting with other human beings, but it also really means I have needs and I want to get my needs met. And one of the reasons we communicate is to get our needs met. But the other reason we communicate is with a reaction to something. So something surprises me and it's, oh, geez. Um, (laughs) There's that pause where I don't have a lot of words in that moment because when you get surprised, another part of your brain becomes very active in going into threat perception mode. Is this threatening? Is this dangerous? Is this something to be curious about? Is this something that's helpful or risky or whatever? And it's called your amygdala. So it's a primitive part of your brain, and it shuts off your thinking and your talking and gets you to really look at something and then be ready for action, either flight, fight, hide, seek, or or And so when we talk about fight, Mm -hmm. what are some ways that human beings fight? So if I say, I never said that, Mm -hmm. and you wanted to fight with me or or do it, what would you do back? Yes, you did. You sure did. (laughs) I did not. I never did. Why are you saying that? Now, this is called an argument, and an argument is a fight with words. So if I am going to have my emergency brain turn on, I don't want to lose my ability to argue. Because (laughs) (laughs) it's like, I don't want to talk about this right now. Leave it alone. Leave it alone, which is a flight behavior. Or I never said that could also be a hide behavior. Mm -hmm. Or listen, I need something. I need something. Help me. Please help me. Now, what would you say if I said, please help me? What do you need? Yeah, what can I do for you? What can I do? Yeah. I, uh, well, I need the, um, oh, I don't know, um, never mind, you are such a pain in the, and there goes the word, mm-hmm. because what did I seek from you? Yeah, assistance, and we mm-hmm. couldn't, we, we weren't able to provide and it, you right? you guys said, well, what do you need, and you mm-hmm. asked me for the thing I can't give you, because my brain isn't working well with language, mm-hmm. and then I think you're, you're chasing me, and trying to trick me, and trap me, and so then I, never mind, but then I'm angry, because mm-hmm. I thought I could trust you, I thought you would help me, mm-hmm. and all you did is push back at me, and so then I give you, and here's the other thing that gets stored in that that emergency brain are forbidden words because they reduce your cortisol level Mm -hmm. and they also allow you to push back or fight Mm -hmm. or let somebody know you don't like it. And so you know lots of words, but you never use them. (laughs) 
mm-hmm. <laughs> unless you're really um, upset. And so what we want to pick up on is, wow, their emergency brain went into overdrive, and I, I, I was just trying to, <laughs> trying to help. And so basically saying, wow, Tifa, you need something. Rather than give me new words, pick up on the words I gave you. So that's what you do first. So I go, hey, listen, I need something. Mm -hmm. You would say, hey, Tifa, you need something, question mark. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. And then you say, do you you need me to do something or do you want to talk to me about something? Wow. Give me an either or option. Mm -hmm. So now it's not I have to come up with anything because who gave me two sets of words to look at? Mm-hmm. Right. So then you're not fighting that that response. You're you're then exactly. replying, and you're you're working together yeah. on getting that response. Yeah. So you acknowledge, wow, she's having trouble finding words right now. Mm-hmm. So do you need something? An automatic social back is what do you need? But if you're starting to notice I'm struggling with language already, then maybe the best I could give you then was. I need something. And the word that I would put there, I need a cup of coffee. I need to go to the doctor. I need help with my taxes. I need you to talk to my my husband. You know, whatever it is, I couldn't find all those words because I felt threatened. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a great yeah. point. So are the repetitive behaviors or mm-hmm. language, is that the mm-hmm. same area of the brain when people start repeating things over and over again? Yeah, that's a combination of the deep memory part of the brain called the hippocampal area, which is deep inside your brain where you learn and remember things and you also know how to find your way and keep up with the passage of time. All those are there. So I, I'm having a problem there and I'm also then having problems with I want to be connected to people and I want to have a conversation, but I get caught in loops of conversation. And what I can't do is hold on to the details of what you say. So I want to know something. What time is my doctor's appointment? Mm-hmm. And you say that 2 10? o'clock. Yeah, 2 o'clock, yeah. Oh, today? Yes, today. Well, I wish you'd said something. And this is where yeah. <laughs> Now, whose brain goes into threat mode right now? Uh-huh. Right, right. I remember these moments with my grandmother. I remember these moments. It's all coming back. My grandmother had Alzheimer's, and I remember these moments. And she would get really angry because she felt like she didn't know, even though we had told her multiple times. Yeah. Yeah, so what what your brain noticed was that she would get caught in loops. What it was missing was... Every time she goes to store that memory, there's no file cabinet anymore where she can put it. Uh, and she's a detail lady, mm-hmm. so she likes the detail. So exactly, how many you try writing a note for. <laughs> right, and you know she was an English teacher, and we go back and look at oh. her book. She, we go back and look at her books that were on her shelves, uh-huh. and she had notes in uh-huh. all of her books. Um, yep. She had written little mm-hmm. things in every single book, and we and I have yep. them saved because yeah. I found it was very interesting to go back and look at them and see how her brain was working and read her notes. Yeah. Um, but they were there was yeah. notes everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely, because she was trying to hold on to what she couldn't hold on to, mm-hmm. and she was using compensatory strategies. But she, when in the moment, she couldn't remember that she'd written it down any more than she could remember you said two o'clock, <laughs> and so. That ability to go, oh, you want to know what time your appointment is? Yeah, it's at 2. Hey, Grandma, I have a big favor to ask of you. Yeah, what is now, it? What's the yeah. automatic answer to that? What do you say when I say that? <laughs> what, what do you need? <laughs> yeah, come here, let me show you something. I could take you to a book and say, tell me about this book. Mm-hmm. 
And all of a sudden, guess what happened to the doctor's appointment and the need to know the detail mm-hmm. about the doctor's appointment? It came back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not what's right in front of you. So right now, and if you again say, now do I have a doc? You do. But right now, could you do me a big favor? It's not till later. Yeah, yeah. What time? It's a two. But you know, and we move it on because I have to watch my own brain as much as I pay attention to yours and know when I've reached my limit and mm-hmm. know when I need help. Right, right. So one other sign or symptom I want to touch on briefly, and we hear a lot about it in our practice Mm -hmm. in hospice and palliative care, is care partners who are concerned about their loved one who has stopped eating or drinking. Can you talk Mm -hmm. about the responsibility Mm -hmm. as a care partner in this situation? Yeah, it is important to know whether or not it's time to let go of nourishment and hydration because, frankly, the brain's ability to take in and make use of that has already deteriorated or its ability to do it safely is really just not there. And the person truly is not hungry, nor are they thirsty, because those are things that are managed by the brain. And if the brain is getting to the place where it's saying, you know what, I want to clean up house because I can't live here anymore. Mm -hmm. I've done what I can do for as long as I can do it. And what I'm going to do is make use of all the resources. And so often, if you've noticed that the person has done a lot of muscle wasting, even though you've been trying really hard to get those supplemental things in and you've been working hard to get a sip and a drink, the recognition that the brain is no longer able to run everything, but it's got a safety mechanism where it releases endorphins as the brain is drying out and emptying out. And the person truly is satisfied with sips or with tastes and smells and textures. And their brain is often telling them, you know, you're not hungry, you're not thirsty. Who would be hungry or thirsty if they didn't eat or drink? Mm-hmm. Us. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we have a really difficult time letting go of our perspective to hear, well, their brain and our brain haven't been the same for a long time. And they're getting to that place where the brain can't keep going. And so starting to recognize the signals and the signs that that's happening, whether Mm -hmm. we've had a couple aspiration pneumonias, some urinary tract repeated infections, because the brain can't fight infections, it can't temperature regulate, starting to recognize that need to prepare ourselves Mm -hmm. for that final release um, is really important because we have power to make this different. Um, but we have to be able to accept it is a process that we go through as much as they go through. Right, right. That is the voice of Tipa Snow, founder of Positive Approach to Care. And you can understand why we've been looking forward to this conversation with Tipa. She has uh, such a brilliant way of putting this in a relatable and easy way to understand. We're going to continue our conversation with her. We're speaking about elements of her book, Understanding the Changing Brain. And you can find more information about that either on Amazon or at tipasnow.com. Tipa spelled T-E-E-T-E-E-P-A, snow. Tipasnow.com is the website to go to if you want to find more information about her book, Understanding the Changing Brain. Taking a quick break, we'll be back with more. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. 
This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson. Our guest on the line is Tipa Snow, founder of Positive Approach to Care. She has a book out called Understanding the Changing Brain, and we're uh, knee-deep into this conversation and uh Mary, I know the past few weeks we've been talking, you haven't been able to put this book down. So uh, it's, it's very nice that we have Tipa on the line here with Definitely. us. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to talk to Tipa more. Yeah. And Tipa, in your book, uh, you touch a bit on delirium, depression, and dementia. And I think this mm-hmm. is really relevant in today's world, you know, mm-hmm. we're living in. We talk as much as we don't want to, we talk about on the show um, <laughs> about no. this pandemic we've been in and that it's been so challenging for many. And a lot of people, you know, have been experiencing depression um, and other side effects of that. So how can you tell if it's dementia versus depression versus delirium, especially during everything that's going on with social isolation? Everything that's going on. Yeah, and having some really serious impacts on mental health for folks. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, why would we be worried about it? Well, because it is important to notice. Mm -hmm. So if you were to get your thumb, your index finger, and your middle finger out, so those three fingers, which um, are the fingers of skill on a human hand. So if you've got your thumb, your index, and your middle finger out, you bring them together at the tips. Mm -hmm. That makes your hand skillful. So you can button, button, zip, zippers, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Now close your index finger and your middle finger down so you have a fist with your thumb up. And I want you to take your thumb down and then pop it up real quick. Delirium pops up real quick. And with delirium, if you can't figure out what's going on, Mm -hmm. take your thumb and point it down, Mm -hmm. you could lose somebody. Mm -hmm. Because delirium is an acute, traumatic, dramatic change in someone that happens very quickly. And so it could be due to an inflammation, an infection, dehydration, it could be due to something acute and traumatic, dramatic. They could have a fracture that's unidentified. They could have organ failure. They could have a new health condition. So it really should, if you take your thumb and put it out and do that artist thing, it's like you want to focus in. If you notice something, wow, what is going on here? And you may see some symptoms like uh, an unusual case of uh, uh, seeing things that aren't there, Mm -hmm. saying things that don't make sense, uh, being hyper aroused or unable to arouse somebody that's usually alert and awake and you can't get them to wake up and pay Mm -hmm. attention and participate. So you're noticing a huge shift in alertness and arousal and it happened pretty quick. Now, if it has been happening over time episodically that's a different story because that could be Lewy body dementia mm-hmm. <laughs> because Lewy body has a hallmark of having episodes of delirium and hallucinations and um and that's just part of that disease mm-hmm. so i want to know this popping up now touch your thumb to your middle finger Mm-hmm. Now, if you're by yourself, you can hold your middle finger up. But generally, I don't recommend it if you're by <laughs> others because people think bad things. And that's when de- dementia pops up. 
And dementia is what nobody wants to talk about, nobody wants to look at, nobody wants to pay attention to. But it turns out delirium and dementia have lots of connecting places. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because delirium and dementia, when you show a delirium, you know we want to always look and make sure, is there a dementia behind that? Or if somebody has dementia, we may miss a delirium. And that's what happened with a lot of COVID cases with people who had dementia. We miss their onset of delirium and oxygen deprivation and mm. changes until it was too late to start support to help them. Um, and sometimes with dementia, the delirium is caused by the care partner not being available and somebody different or changing mm. a location or you know, a new medication. So it's important to know what's the baseline and what's the new. Right. And depression or anxiety, take your index finger and point it up and then drop it down. Point it up and drop it down. That's an anxiety and depression combo. So anxiety and depression usually takes time to develop, but then it can spike and peak pretty quick. So COVID is a great example of I'm fearful, I'm worried, I'm scared, my primitive brain is turned on. So I get, what's, what, what do I get when I'm fearful and scared and worried and my primitive brain turns on? What descriptor would you use for me? Stressed or distressed anxious. or anxious. Stressed or anxious. Yeah. yeah, so I develop anxiety. But if I already had an anxiety disorder, it means the chemistry in my brain is really turbulent. Mm-hmm. And so it increases my risk of dementia, but it also could send me into a delirium state with very little because once I get really anxious and then I get scared, I'm afraid somebody's going to try to poison me. So what won't I do? If I'm scared, somebody would try to poison me because I'm anxious about stuff. I'm not people eating. Having I'm not anything. drinking. I'm not eat. eating. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. So what happens? <laughs> yeah, what happens to my risk of delirium? <laughs> it probably increases dramatically. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So noticing that, and then on the other side, what's the point? Why bother? There's nothing worth living for anyway. Right. Nothing's going to get better. Nobody comes over. I, why bother? I don't care anymore. I don't, I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty. Mm-hmm. Just leave me alone. Quit. Get these kids out of here. They're too loud. <laughs> so take your index finger and put it right beside your middle finger. And what I'd say is about half of everybody who gets dementia will develop anxiety mm-hmm. or more. About half of everybody who gets dementia will develop depression, and some people have both. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So you can have, you know, you're saying some things that have triggered with me. I had a conversation with my dad yesterday about my grandfather who mm-hmm. does not have dementia. Mm-hmm. He is 96 now mm-hmm. and he is doing very well, but he's had a lot of brain yep. trauma. He had a um, an aneurysm. He's had multiple strokes. He's, you know, he has a yep. lot of chronic illness uh, that he's been dealing mm-hmm. with. And so he got he's gotten very mm-hmm. stressed out. His caregiver situation over the last couple of weeks has been a little bit up and down and we're trying to make sure we can uh-huh. level that out. But we've had different caregivers in there. And just this weekend, he started to get very delirious now that you're explaining it. And my dad was like, maybe he's got dementia now. And I'm like, I don't know. I think he's stressed. I think it's stress. Exactly. And so maybe he's getting dehydrated. He's getting Mm. malnourished because now he doesn't feel comfortable eating. His stomach's upset. He's not sleeping well. So sleep deprivation. I mean, so these things all interact. And so now you have like a, oh, rather than make an assumption about dementia, mm-hmm. you want to like, check this out because hmm, mm-hmm. this could tip over into a significant problem in that thumb direction 
you know, we can cause things where he could have another stroke. He could mm-hmm. have something else happen that, you know, we don't want to happen, and we need to get the other thing under control quickly. That's so true. Good example. Yeah, yeah. and that's actually, yeah. you touched on another thing just there, you know, in part of the whole caregiver switch around, um, his phone mm. broke, and he, oh, he no. it actually didn't break. He put himself on mute and couldn't figure out how to get himself <laughs> off mute, uh-huh. but he thought his phone was broken, <laughs> and so he couldn't call yep. down to get food delivered to him from the cafeteria. He lives <laughs> in an assisted living, and yep. so then he went without food until mm. my dad mm-hmm. noticed that he wasn't answering his phone and went over there, and he was sitting in his chair uh-huh. hungry and probably dehydrated and all of these hydrated. things yep wow. and, and this angry all angry and scared and frustrated and yes in that state his brain was not gonna allow him to know it was and then he feels really stupid mm-hmm. because it's like i put it on mute oh my god how dumb am i and then you feel embarrassed mm-hmm. on top of everything else if we're not careful it's like so your phone isn't working well that's frustrating yeah, that has, that's crazy. Well, first, let's get you something to eat and drink, and let's see if we can figure this out. But what we tend to do, and I just a guess. Your dad mm-hmm. said, Dad, you just have it on mute. It's not broken. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's just trying to help, but when we try to help and we don't appreciate the other person's Nobody likes being stupid on top of everything right. else. No. And he really wasn't being stupid. What was happening, he was getting overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. We knew about his anxiety and his depression. We knew about, you know, his health conditions. But it's easy to, um, when someone's older, it gets so easy to go, you just miss details. And it's like, right. I sure did. You <laughs> 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 go okay about that. And recognize what's the important thing. Well, let's get him hydrated and nourished first. Mm-hmm. And let's see if we can figure out what, triggered this and it's like oh a little minor mistake but then his brain wasn't able to figure it out because it was overwhelmed with his unmet need mm-hmm. so you're touching a little bit here on the the treatment for some of these things which of these are treatable mm-hmm. and how are they treatable yeah so it gets a little tricky once again when you have all three because people living with dementia as their disease progresses will have probably have episodes of delirium and an ex- a frequent example is urinary tract infection. Mm-hmm. But what we have found is if we just keep treating the urinary tract infection, what we're missing is it's being caused by, let's see if you guys were really able to think when I was doing that earlier session at the end of life and eating. What do you think those episodes of urinary tract infections might be actually triggered by? Mm. What do you think? Uh, could, it, could it be brain failure? Maybe stre- oh. stress or some uh-huh. biological mm-hmm. reaction or I'm not sure. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be the physiology of the mm-hmm. body not being well supported by the brain. Mm-hmm. So the brain, believe it or not, has to recognize an infection and mount a resistance to the infection, which is the T cells and the, and the activation of the white cell count and mm-hmm. stuff. And so what happens is as your brain is entering the later state of a dementia, your brain can't always recognize and fight infections. So what's the signal that my brain is getting into the later state? What do I have more of? Episodes of? Confusion, delirium. anxiety, and delirium, yeah. Confusion, anxiety, yeah, yeah. So it becomes this, if we just keep giving antibiotics to treat the infection and we don't back up and go, okay, this is the upper rep- respiratory infection in, in four months. Mm-hmm. This is the fifth 
UTI. You know, she keeps repeating getting into dehydration. Maybe it's time we start having more uh, broad conversations about this combination of mm-hmm. things. What does she still find joy in doing? What is she still enjoying about being alive? Uh, how hard is it for her to be alive? Mm-hmm. Um, is it time for us to start thinking of comfort and support versus fixes? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's hard conversations, but for me, they're, that's what makes the difference between life that is valued and has purpose and has meaning to the very last breath versus we just keep putting Band-Aids on things mm-hmm. that are much bigger than a Band-Aid problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's especially hard when you are you just keep going along to take a step back and yeah. have that uh, thousand-mile view uh, sort of perspective, mm-hmm. that overhead perspective of things. So we're speaking with Tipa Snow, founder of Positive Approach to Care, and we're talking about different types of dementia and their unique warning signs. And we're going to continue our conversation right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, our guest on the line. We're very lucky to have another segment here with Tipa Snow, founder of Positive Approach to Care. And we're discussing different types of dementia and what their unique warning signs are. And uh, we've uh, talked a lot about those warning signs. And now we want to get into a little bit of a discussion here on support. And, you know, uh, I know we've got a lot to get to because this is our last segment here. So uh, let's let's get right to it. Mm-hmm. Right. I We always use the word caregiver. And I hear that word over and over and over again, especially in our industry. Um, but I've yeah. been shifting my language after reading your book, Tipa, Understanding the Changing Brain. <laughs> and can you talk to us about the difference between care partners and caregivers? Yeah. So if I am a giver, then you have to be the receiver. Mm -hmm. If we're partners, we're in this together. And unfortunately, we've gotten into this habit of thinking that, well, I give care and you you get the care. And it's like, well, but I don't need the care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And right away, what are we going to start? A fight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we'll call out all those things we don't want to call out. So say, hey, mom, could you help me? I could use your help on something. I'm wondering about, I know there's, you have an appointment at some point coming up. I think it's at two. Um, did you want to get, leave these clothes on or did you want to switch out? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a part. So what I've done is yep. given you an option of choice. So I've delivered some information, but I really want you to partner with me. And I actually said, could you help me? Or I have a big favor to ask of you. Or, hey, mom, I want to show you something. Rather than, mom, those clothes look, you've been in that same outfit for two days. You know, mom, let me change you. Let me, here, let me get you some new clothes. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That, um, I think we forget sometimes people want to be in control of their own lives. Mm-hmm. And, and when my brain is failing me, it doesn't mean I suddenly just want, oh, here, do this for me, and I'll just sit here. Like, what am I going to do then? 
Um, some people will let you do that. I'll say, well, I don't feel comfortable driving. Here, take the keys. And it's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. You're going to quit driving? Yeah, I'm fine not driving. You'll take me places, right? Mm-hmm. Can you feel yourself just going, wait a minute, what? Right, <laughs> right. You weren't expecting me to be so amenable. So it's tricky because sometimes we can turn into caregivers because I'm fine with you giving me care. Right. Mm-hmm. As opposed to I don't want care. But in both cases, uh, it's better to partner with someone because they need value in staying alive and being alive and in relationships in order to thrive. If we don't have purpose and value and pleasure in being alive and joy in relationships, it's hard to want to stay alive and keep going and keep living. And that's possible, but it's hard work. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's so true. And that's such a great way to think of it, a care partner versus a caregiver. And, you know, as you're talking about it, I think of my two grandmothers who were could not be more different. One (laughs) loves receiving all the care and help she can get. She was one of those that turned in her keys and said, you know what, I'm good. Y'all going to drive me around, right? (laughs) And the other one was definitely more stubborn in that aspect. So it's a great way to kind of Uh look at those different different types of care. Yeah. And so the lady who gave up the keys, Mm -hmm. now this is where it gets a little tricky because how many of you went, so she wants to go to church, but then uh-huh. she wants to go out to eat, and then she wants to go visit so-and-so. Who's got, I mean, I've got to get to work. I've got to <laughs> Right? <laughs> now what do you need? You just, yep, you just described her schedule perfectly, too, because that is her schedule. And, you know, for us, we were lucky that for her, for that grandmother in particular, she lives very far away from us. She's in Maryland in different states from myself and my parents. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we wanted to talk about next is support system. So for her, we mm-hmm. were very fortunate that her sweet hairdresser volunteered to come help take her around, drive around. And I think it's great because it's a twofer. Your hair can be looking great. Mm-hmm. And you get transported where you need. (laughs) But we wanted to talk to you about support systems. So what kind of supports exist for people with neurodegeneration or dementia and their care partners? And care supports that are focused on health (laughs) care, but also community, kind of like I talked about a little bit. Yeah. So when someone is going to have the brain changes that come with dementia, I mean, eventually their entire brain is going to be involved. So they're going to need social support, they're going to need some physical skill support, they're going to need some time management support, they're going to need some spiritual support, they're going to need financial and fiscal support, they're going to need uh, community engagement support, I mean, Mm -hmm. they're going to need conversational support, so all of a sudden, it's like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this gets to be a enormous job and so anybody who's going to be the primary support and care partner is going to need resources mm-hmm. and, and support <laughs> it's like this is not a one-person show um, two people alone as the person's changing more and more and more it really does start to feel like you're trying to run two lives in 24 mm-hmm. hours and and that's a huge impossible challenge ultimately to do because you must take care of yourself or you'll have two people who are are falling down and failing um, their brains because you just you can't be responsible for another human being Mm 24-7 there have to be some boundaries for yourself especially if spouse support or 
parental support or family support. So, you know, creating these supports for people is work, but it's also important to figure out. I love that, you know, the hairdresser, the relationship that was already <laughs> yeah. a great one, became, came, became a bigger one. Um, but also recognizing, but your hairdresser is not the one who's managing the finances, right. I'm imagining. No, definitely no. not. <laughs> Yeah, we've had to. And sometimes she's taking her places where she wants to be social. Mm -hmm. And so she's the transport person, but she isn't the person that your grandma socializes with when she gets somewhere. Right, right. right. You know, this reminds me of the quote, put your oxygen mask on first before helping the person next to you. (laughs) Just great, great analogy. Uh, If you, I have a crazy question for you. If you have one tip for a care partner, once a diagnosis is established, what would it be? Get help. (laughs) (laughs) It truly is. Uh, You're going to think at first, I can handle this. Mm -hmm. This is not that unfamiliar. I know this person. But if you can get yourself early on to pause, so pause, take a deep breath, blow it out and go, I need help before I get so far into this that I'm out of gas at the side of a road on a deserted, Mm -hmm. scary place, and I'm trying to panic call somebody. And I can't, I can't even think of what's the number you dial when you're in a, an emergency. Because in that moment, I'm, I'm so deep in the woods that I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. So we don't want, there's no point in that. That's all cortisol. That's adrenaline. That's not a healthy thing in your brain. So really pausing and going, I think I need some help. I'll need to know stuff. I'll need to change my brain mm-hmm. because her brain is changing. His brain is changing. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And, and you know, I know that's one of the big reasons we do this show. You know, if people go mm-hmm. and listen back, we've got a lot of resources to offer for folks, too, because we know that that's one of the biggest things as, you know, being a care partner, caregiver, is that you need resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it reminds you me do, of the part. You don't in, even know. You, yeah, you don't. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. No, it just reminds me of the part in your book where you talk about their selves and yourselves and the importance of knowing the self and the different selves that we have. <laughs> Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, we have commitments. And at one point, their life will be done and their commitments to this world are finished. Guess what? You have other commitments. And if you right. dropped everything and now you're having to try to figure out how do I get back, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know where I am mm-hmm. because it's become 24-7. And the number of generations that have done that to their own detriment it's time to go, whoa, let's build teams. Let's get this support in place. And the really frustrating thing is dementia is not a well-reimbursed condition for health care mm-hmm. or social support. And mm-hmm. so starting to make this something that isn't a taboo subject or something that's to hide in the closet, but rather, you know, a lot of us are going to have some brain changes that come with dementia. Let's learn about it so right. we can offer one another better support. Definitely, definitely. And your book is a great example of that. To finish out the show, can you tell us where people can get your book, when it's out, and where to go to learn more? Yeah, it's currently available in in hard copy, if you would. It's paperback. But, you know, (laughs) that idea, uh, at our website, you can go on and order it there, which is www.tipasnow.com. Or you can go on Amazon. It's available on Amazon. And we have an ebook version for those who like to do things on ebook. That's so that that's, should be available, ooh, I think really, really soon. I wish I were more sure, but I know it's really soon, if not now. <laughs> but the hard print version is out. 
Excellent. It's called Understanding the Changing Brain. She is Tipa Snow, founder of Positive Approach to Care. Tipa, you, you are incredibly generous with your time today. Thank you so much for joining us and for being a, a wonderful resource for our listeners today. It has absolutely been a pleasure to work with you guys. And thank you for what you do every day and every broadcast because it does help. That's, Thank you. that's Thank very you. kind of you to say. Again, the book is Understanding the Changing Brain. Learn more at tipasnow.com or you can find it on Amazon as well. We are out of time for today. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you will do the same again next weekend. On behalf of Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680. WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great day. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.